One thing that I'm incorporating in right now are smoothies. So particularly here in Austin, it's getting to be summer season and super hot. So I do that pretty much every single morning. And my daughter, who's a toddler, loves them too. So this morning I made one out of the cookbook. And in fact, there's an awesome Facebook Live where I was making a smoothie to promote the cookbook. And she walked into the kitchen, I picked her up and it was like, could not have like practiced it and it have been more perfect where she's just like watching and smiling. And then like I'm start blending and she hears the blender and she's like, you know, gets all excited when she hears the blender and then I pour it and she's like pointing at it. And then I like put a straw in it and she drinks it. So they are a fan favorite in the entire household. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Amy Myers, and we are discussing how to prevent and reverse autoimmunity through diet. Now, before I get into the interview, I want to set the stage for what an autoimmune disorder is. Now, there is a stark rise in autoimmune disorders over the past 50 years, from type 1 diabetes and multiple sclerosis to celiac disease and asthma. The first step towards a cure is really understanding and controlling the root cause, which we'll get into in just a moment. Now, your immune system is your security detail. It is hardwired to differentiate between what belongs in your body and what doesn't. When it spies a meddler, such as a virus, a bacteria, or parasite, it shoots to kill. Unfortunately, the system is not perfect. Sometimes it targets healthy tissues, a situation that, if it persists under certain circumstances, can lead to an autoimmune disease or autoimmunity. Auto means self, so autoimmunity basically means your immune system takes aim at itself. Now, more than 23 million Americans suffer from autoimmunity, which makes it the third most common category of illness in the United States after cancer and heart disease. Yet 90% of Americans cannot name a single autoimmune disease. Now, some of the most common autoimmune diseases are rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, lupus, Hajimoto's thyroid disease, Graves' disease, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac disease, and asthma. The National Institute of Health currently labels more than 90 diseases as autoimmune disorders, And that number is certainly on the rise as scientists continue to identify and further understand the origin of these diseases. Now, what we're finding through research is that there's five underlying causes of autoimmune disease. Number one is leaky gut. We now know that if you have an autoimmune disease, your gut has become leaky, meaning the tight junctions that typically hold your gut lining together have become loose, allowing undigested food, particles, microbes, toxins, and more to escape your gut and enter into the bloodstream. Number two is toxins. And we're talking about everyday chemical exposure, which I've covered a lot here on the podcast. So your medicine cabinet, your personal care, your cleaning cabinet, the food that you consume, and then just being out in the environment lends to creating autoimmunity in the body. Number three is stress. This is of no surprise to any of us, but stress is one of the key indicators to increasing chronic disease in the body. So what we can do to mitigate stress is always going to be important on a day-to-day basis to lower our risk of chronic conditions. 
Number four is infections, such as candida, parasites, toxic mold, bacteria. These types of opportunistics, these types of infections can lead to triggering autoimmunity in the body quite quickly. It's like putting gasoline on a fire. And then number five is gluten. And gluten contributes to autoimmune disease in two key ways. First, it's the primary cause of leaky gut. And second, it causes inflammation and stress on the body. Now, luckily, there are a lot of integrative practitioners who are devoting their lives to helping you heal and potentially reverse autoimmunity. Some of my favorite practitioners have actually been featured here on the Essentially You podcast already. So you can imagine my excitement for having Dr. Amy Myers on. Now, Dr. Amy Myers and I are going to dive into her own personal experience with autoimmune disease, as well as the proven dietary protocol that she has developed over the decade that has worked for thousands of autoimmune patients. She'll be sharing her top tips for supporting your gut and the immune system while enjoying amazing, delicious recipes, plus tips on how to stick to your dietary protocol while traveling and how to get the entire family on board. Now, before I bring Dr. Amy Myers on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Amy Myers is a renowned leader in functional medicine and a two-times New York Times bestselling author of The Autoimmune Solution and The Thyroid Connection. She has a brand new book, The Autoimmune Solution Cookbook, which is a companion to The Autoimmune Solution. It is filled with 150 amazing delicious recipes that are easy to make and especially designed to prevent and reverse autoimmunity. Now, Amy has been featured on Dr. Oz, PBS, The New York Post, Women's Health, Goop, Oprah Magazine, and numerous other television programs. And she is going to be bringing her incredible information on how to transform your body with us today. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Amy Myers. I am so thrilled to have you with me today. I am so excited to be with you and to chat with you and your community. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I am so grateful. Today, we are going to be talking about, well, really what your expertise is in, and that is how to prevent and reverse autoimmunity, but through diet in particular, because we're going to be showcasing your new fabulous book. But before we get into that, I know your story because I've heard it before, but a lot of my community doesn't. And I would love for you to kind of dial in and share with us your own personal journey with autoimmunity and how you have overcome that. Sure. So it was my second year of medical school. I started having some weight loss and I was having insomnia and even anxiety. And of course, one could think, oh, it's just med school, but it progressed into panic attacks and muscle weakness and even a tremor as I held my arm out. And I realized at that moment that something was probably really wrong with me. So I ended up at the doctor and like many of us women who go to the doctor, they pretty much brushed it off and just told me it was stress. And then I just was learning different things in medical school and that, you know, it was basically all in my head. So that was really disconcerting. And I said, no, 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 I've never responded to anything like this. I need you to do a full workup. And they called me back later and told me that I had Graves disease, which is the overactive form of the autoimmune thyroid and many more people probably familiar with Hashimoto's rather than Graves. I had never heard of it. Nobody in my family that I was aware of had autoimmunity. So in one sense, anybody out there with a chronic condition, you get that, oh, thank God, I'm not crazy. Something is wrong with me. And you get a sigh of relief. And then the next minute you're like, oh my God, I have what? What does this mean? 
And in conventional medicine, they really only have three options for you, which is harsh medications to ablate your thyroid with radioactive iodine or to take it out with surgery. And none of those seemed great for me. And I won't spoil the whole story because it, of course, is in all three of my books. But long story short, I tried the medication and I ended up with toxic hepatitis where the medication was destroying my liver, knew nothing else to do. And so I eventually had my thyroid ablated. And so even though, you know, conventional medicine sort of solved my problem, so to speak, it really never got down to the root of what was going on. And I had entered med school with the idea that I would do holistic medicine and I had done all my electives in integrative medicine and was president of the complementary and alternative interest group. So I actually knew I would do what I'm doing now. I just didn't know how to get there or what that was. And so at the end of med school, I went into residency and did emergency medicine and eventually said, you know, I need to get back to my roots and figure out what's going on with me and back to natural and holistic medicine. So I found the Institute for Functional Medicine, took all the electives and eventually opened up my own clinic and written three books and helped tens of thousands of people around the world take back their health by reversing their autoimmune conditions. Oh, I love it. And I want to talk a little bit about the books. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I know that we're going to talk a little bit about how your your continued health journey, well, our health journey never stops, right? So we're always working to get ourselves on track. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the books you've written and specifically what it ultimately inspired you to write, Amy. Well, being a clinician and being a physician with the way that I practice in functional medicine, we're only, I was only able to see one new patient a day and I practice four days a week. And so, you know, what is that? You have Christmas and a couple of seminars you got to go to. So that knocks it down. So it was, you know, a hundred or 200 people a year that I was able to see at the most. And I really realized that as I was seeing these amazing results with patients that I couldn't just kind of keep the word to myself. I needed to spread the message. I say conventional medicine failed me and is my mission to not have it fail you too. So I was really, I mean, I do believe I was put on this earth to help empower people to take back their health. And I was doing that one person at a time. And so I realized if I wrote a book, I could potentially help many, many, many more thousands of people. And of course, that's what happened. My first book, The Autoimmune Solution, became an instant New York Times bestseller, sold probably about 150,000 copies now worldwide, translated into 10 different languages. Uh, And then wrote the thyroid connection. Now we have the companion to the autoimmune solution, the autoimmune solution cookbook. So literally hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people have read my books and followed my programs. So my mission to empower people that was really at home and only able to affect a few people has now helped literally hundreds of thousands of people. So that's what inspired me to write books. And as people were getting well, and I was getting emails and feedback from people who I will never meet about how they were empowered to take back their own health, and they got their health back that, you know, of course, fuels the fire to continue going. I agree. Absolutely. Well, I want to focus a little bit on this book. And one of the things that I I had read in the beginning of the book is you share an update of what you've been up to since you published the first book, The Autoimmune Solution. And specifically, you touched upon some challenges that you were facing and how you were able to regain your health. And I would love for you to speak a little bit about that because, you know, I think for us so often we start these journeys and don't realize that this is always going to be something that we're going to be working on, that we're going to need to stay on top of. 
Yeah. So I, in all of my books, I talk about the autoimmune spectrum, which I think I was the first person to coin that phrase. And the idea is that low on the spectrum, you have no inflammation. Too many people are on there. And then there's more and more and more and more and more. And eventually you get autoimmunity potentially. And so my belief is that even if you're at the top of that spectrum, you can work your way back down and maybe work's not the best way, but you can get your way back down. Certainly following the four pillars in my program. I see it time and time again. And something either consciously you decide to do something, you've been gluten free and you decide to eat gluten, or you know, something happens to you that's really out of your control. Someone dies, you have a baby. In my case, I got exposed to toxic mold that I'm very sensitive to, and I ended up getting really, really sick. And so there are things, external things that can cause you to move potentially back up that spectrum. But again, you just go back to the four pillars and you can get yourself back down the spectrum, which is of course what I did. Life is a journey. I don't like to think of it that you constantly have to be working at it. I like to think of it more like you can get yourself down the spectrum and on my program, which involves dietary and lifestyle changes. And I have a program for 30 days where, you know, you are giving up a a fair amount of foods, even foods that some people consider healthy, like grains and legumes, nightshade vegetables. And you figure out, which is what I try to empower people to do, is to figure out what are their triggers, whether it's a food, a person, a toxin, an infection, and figuring those things out and then knowing what are things that you can tolerate a little bit. I mean, obviously, I have to be able to tolerate a little bit of mold because I travel and I live in Austin. And so, you know, what are the things then that I do to, to know that that's an issue for me and that I need to stay on top of that. What foods that I eliminate in the first 30 days can I go back to and eat sometimes? Do I ever eat rice? Yes. Do I eat it super frequently? We don't have it in our house, but if I'm traveling or I live in Texas and I go to a Mexican restaurant and I want some, I'll have some rice because I know that I can tolerate that now. But when I got sick and when that happened to me, of course, I was already living the foundations of my program. But when that happened to me, then of course, I wasn't eating the rice. I wasn't eating the beans. I, of course, removed myself from the environment of the toxic mold, things like that. So I feel like it's more like you have this pendulum that can swing out, you know, and you know that when you're doing really well, there are just more things you can tolerate, a little more stress in your life, a little more mold in your life, a little more eggs in your life. And then if that pendulum swings and you're going back up the spectrum, then you got to rein those things back in. And so I, I think it's just one of those things where I talk about, you know, I don't say I can cure autoimmunity, but I say that I can reverse it or that you can reverse it. And that means, you know, get symptom free, get medication free and and often either get your antibodies to go down or to actually go away. And so, but it is our weak link, as you said. And so it's something that you need to be cognizant of and aware of and empowered by knowing what are your triggers, avoiding those as much as possible. And then when you get into something, knowing just going back to the program a little bit more closely and getting yourself back on track. Okay, got it. So really just kind of paying attention and being focused. So really trying to figure out where you are in that spectrum. If you find yourself going back up the ladder, then kind of tighten the rope in terms of one, what those stressors may be. If it's a food stressor, maybe it's a chemical stressor and just kind of dialing back in what was working for you before, kind of tightening it up. And how would you say, like, let's say someone is beginning to feel like they're losing a little bit of footing and they're finding themselves, their symptoms are kind of coming back. They're just not feeling a hundred percent. Again, how long should one 
consider resetting the system a good 30 days or would we want to even do up to 60 days? I think it really just depends on where you are on that spectrum and what got you there. So some people are new and they're just noticing signs and symptoms and this inflammation has just begun. Other people, this has been going on for years upon years. So I think, you know, in that 30 days, you should see resolution for some people or you might just see the beginning of making headway. And so that's where we're all individuals. You know, I've had patients come into my office that I'm just like thinking, oh my God, how am I going to help this person? This seems so overwhelming, all the things they have and how long they've had it. And they'll literally, I did a case presentation last month in Australia. And in 45 days, this woman was like off all her medications and and doing amazing versus somebody else that you think, oh my God, I've seen that a hundred times. That'll be quick. 30 days, you'll be done. And you know, six months later, you're still struggling because you just peeled back the onion. And as you did, you found more and more things. So I think it really depends on what happens. For me, I've actually had toxic mold twice. And the first time I had it, I got out of the environment. I immediately started getting well. And so that was awesome. This time I got out and I actually got even sicker. So, you know, I think it was just the stress. I had moved into another environment that was new and off-gassing. So then I was dealing with even more toxins and, you know, it just overwhelmed my system. And so it took me longer the second time around because I ended up for whatever reason, the path didn't go like it did the first time I got out of it. And they also say the second time around or the third, you know, whatever, how many times you get exposed, sicker, quicker. And that's kind of what happened to me that time. So in every situation, the bottom line is every situation is totally different. But I would definitely say that within 30 days, you should definitely be seeing some headway, if not massive headway or resolution in your symptoms. And you know, people often ask me, These things seem kind of restrictive. You know, how do you get people to stay on these programs? Is compliance an issue? And I'm like, no, usually it's not because either you can be on super toxic medications that have potentially a whole nother list of side effects and maybe aren't even giving you your life back, or you can make some diet and lifestyle changes, not be on any medications and have your life back. And so for most people, the choice is pretty simple. And as people are feeling better, it propels them to stay the course. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Now, I want to really quickly, because you did touch upon the toxic mold piece, and I know that lots of different opportunistics like toxic mold or parasites, I mean, they can definitely trigger things and the toxicity as well, like the off-gassing. So when you were navigating toxic mold for the second time, how was it different for you than it was the first time? I mean, clearly, when you saw that you didn't react the same way or your body didn't heal as quickly, what were some of the things that you had to put into place? Uh, Well, I think the biggest reason that it was probably different is because the first time I was single and I didn't have to worry about anybody else and I knew Uh my health was the most important thing. And so I just literally got out. There was nobody I had to consult with or, you know, have a conversation with. And I just got rid of everything I own. The second time around, I was married to my husband who doesn't have the genetics and he was totally fine. And we were in a brand new house that he had just bought. So it was a little bit more complicated and a little bit more stressful because it was like, hey, honey, I'm moving into an apartment. Like, you can come or you can stay. And then it was like, hey, honey, we need to find it, which we never could find it. Hey, honey, we need to sell our house. And oh, by the way, you need to get rid of everything you own too and move apartments with me every three months till I get well. So that was just a lot more stressful having to navigate all of that. And I I don't know if there were more things at play other than just the simple stress of that, literally having to ask someone else to sell their house and give up everything they own when they felt perfectly Fine. Oh, and I was in the middle of writing my second book. (laughs) I had a three-month deadline. So, 
just a little bit of stress going on, which is why in the thyroid connection, there's an entire chapter just on stress and stress relieving techniques that I utilized very much during that period of time. Well, yeah, I feel like the general population understands that stress is such a major trigger that it just makes things a lot worse. And so that healing process, if stress is still playing a role, can definitely elongate it a little bit. And I can imagine that your husband was really trying to figure out what was going on um, after moving into a brand new house that I'm sure he was really happy to be moving into. Yes, yes. So it was a little bit of stress at that time, but all worked out all well now. And then one of the things, and this is a question that I, I get a lot as well, and I know that you are on the road. I know you just came back from Australia. What are some practical tips? I'm sure that there's a lot of women trying to get started with this autoimmune-friendly protocol, trying to follow the plan, and either they're traveling for work or they're traveling for vacation. You know, my husband just left for Hawaii this morning. I'll be catching up to him on Sunday. And, you know, my intention always when we're traveling is to stay really kind of really on top of the program that we create. My husband, it's like free reign. He just completely goes off the rails when we're on vacation. So how do you recommend, and given from your own personal experience, how is it that you're able to stay on top of of your protocols and really take care of your body while you're on the move? Yeah, so I have an entire section in the Autoimmune Solution Cookbook devoted to this. So the cookbook is really, yes, it's a companion to the first book, but it's actually more than a cookbook. It's a standalone book. So if you've never read the Autoimmune Solution or the Thyroid Connection, you can pick up a copy of the Autoimmune Solution. I walk through my four pillar plan. As I mentioned, you know, my story and what's kind of happened to me since I wrote the first book. Of course, amazing recipes. And then the last part of the book is about incorporating it, getting your family on board, living this as a way of life. I call it the Myers way because I really do believe it's a way of life. It's not a quick fix, do 30 days and then go back to all your other eating habits and think that your health is going to shift again. And all about travel because as you said, I just saw you here. I travel quite frequently. So what I recommend is preparation. So, you know, it's the old Boy Scout motto of being prepared. So always being prepared. We just, as you mentioned, traveled to Australia and New Zealand for a month and we brought a lot of food with us. I have protein powders on my website. I have snack bars on my website. So I live and breathe what I do. And so I, you know, took that with me, took a lot of supplements with me. I didn't know if I'd be a moldy situation. So there are certain supplements that I will not travel without. And then other practical things are if you can, staying in a in a hotel or Airbnb or something that has a kitchen, being close to a grocery store, particularly something that offers healthy options like a Whole Foods or something of the sort. You can, if you're organized enough and not traveling out of the country, have food already delivered there, either through Amazon Prime, Thrive Market, Whole Foods, Instacart, ButcherBox, Vital Choice. I mean, just various places that sell healthy foods, having things already delivered ahead of time or get that set up this day and age is pretty easy. We don't go anywhere. I mean, even though obviously we traveled to New Zealand and I always ask for a gluten-free meal, although I never really eat airplane food. You know, I had 24 hours worth of food ready in Pyrex jars and whatnot to take with me whenever I travel. So I think preparation is really the biggest. And certainly if you're not on that autoimmune spectrum or you don't have health issues, yeah, everybody wants to branch out when they're on vacation. And so 
the main thing that I teach people is really knowing what their no foods are and avoiding those. I too, you know, you're traveling to a foreign country, you want to indulge in whatever. And so, I mean, my absolute no's are gluten and dairy, no matter what, no matter when, where, how, it's just not happening. And so that was really important. We've had an age, a travel agent help us, but I had a whole list, like every hotel, we'd like places with a kitchen. If you can't find that, it needs a balcony because I'm sensitive to mold. So I need fresh air. I, mean, I just have my laundry list of things that I need. Don't have them spray any, a lot of hotels spray Febreze and stuff. No chemicals in the hotel room before I arrive. Of course, non-smoking, all that kind of stuff. And then if there's not a kitchen, is there a mini bar or at least a small fridge in there? So we know, can we get some things? And then if it was a place that provided meals, making sure that, you know, giving them a list of the dietary restrictions that I have. So it's really, I think in any situation, really advocating for yourself and asking a lot of questions and just not being afraid to say, these are my needs. And so I really walk through that in the book and, you know, how to do that and things that have worked well for me and for for my family when we travel or even just dine out locally. Yeah, especially traveling and even yeah, even within the local environment when you're going to a restaurant, you want to be sure that you're advocating for yourself. And I think a lot of people think that they can't voice their request and really you can. I feel like more and more restaurants are becoming aware that people are struggling with a lot of different conditions and allergens. And I'm, I'm assuming you've really had no trouble with that over the years. Well, I mean, advocating for myself. Well, I I lost some friends over it, actually, honestly, in the first beginning of it, because, you know, it was like this laundry list of things, or I would get upset because you would go through this whole thing. I mean, the first words out of my mouth are, I'm gluten and dairy free, or I'm gluten and dairy intolerant. And then you go through the whole thing, and then some waiter will make a mistake. And then, you know, the number of times that I'm the one waiting on my meal. So often now, obviously, I know the restaurants I can go to and kind of repeat, go there. Uh, We will happy hour the other day at the office and we went to this place and this one waitress because her children have food sensitivities like we got her again and I'm like hey you were super awesome last time remember us and just try to be friendly but usually what I do now is I call ahead and I just make sure that everything's cool I know exactly what I'm going to order so when we sit down there's no sort of drama at the table. And so I that's one of the things that I advise in the book as well to people that if they don't I mean not that there should be any drama but you know, you just don't even have to have your friends or your family or whatever sitting there. We're like, well, does it contain this or does it contain that? Well, could you go back and ask him about this? Could you substitute that? I just get that like all worked out ahead of time so that it's just like, I'll have the whatever, know this, please add that, move on to the next person. So that's something that I learned. Of course, now over time, it's become a lot easier to eat out as well. And restaurants are much more friendly about things. But, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't as easy as it is now and not as many many people had seemingly, you know, knew about food sensitivity. So it was just more difficult 10 years ago. But when I first started on this road, yes, I mean, I definitely, I, I lost some friends out of it. And so I just changed how I do that now. Okay. That makes sense. And I have, you know, friends like you, you know, where you go out to dinner with people that you know, that advocate this. I mean, when I was starting on this road, I also didn't have a lot of friends who lived their life this way. So, I mean, it's sort of like now my friends do this too. So everybody's, you know, sort of doing it at the table. Right. Well, that's usually what I'm used to is everyone's doing it at the table. You know, everyone's like, I'm gluten-free, I'm gluten-free. This is a whole gluten-free, dairy-free table. Just a heads up. (laughs) 
and being nice to the wait staff, you know, right. I mean, just, you know, being acknowledging like, Hey, you know, we have a large group and it's going to be a lot of different things going on here. So, and, you know, tipping well, if you can. Absolutely. Well, that I feel like that was kind of our situation when we were in Austin. It was very clear that who they were and doing our best to be as sweet to them as possible. I love that tip. You know, so one thing I haven't done, Amy, is I haven't called ahead. Oftentimes, I mean, we cook so much at our house here, but when we go out, you know, I, I live in San Diego, and so it's a little bit easier, definitely, than if I were in maybe another another state. So it usually isn't an issue. And oftentimes I'm so grateful that a lot of menus will just tell you it's gluten-free or dairy-free or vegan or paleo. I mean, so, and we do have our favorite spots. And I think that that is, those are some really key recommendations is kind of knowing your places and calling ahead. I hadn't ever even considered that before. Yes. Saves a lot of time, gets a lot of the confusion out. I don't do that as often anymore, but if there's a brand new restaurant and I'm going to dinner with friends that don't have food sensitivities and they've picked a restaurant, you know, where I haven't been before and I can't easily see something on the menu, then I will call ahead so that I'm not having to sort that out at the table. But obviously if I'm dining with somebody like you or other people like that, and everybody's going to be doing that, I just do that at the table as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now I wanted to pivot back to cooking at home because I think cooking at home, there's so many incredible benefits to that. And clearly we know that women are three times more likely than men to develop autoimmunity. So they're the ones usually adopting the protocol for the entire family, or at least for them. And hopefully we have women not cooking two different separate meals because they are potentially cooking for their families. And so how have you recommended that women kind of get the whole entire family on board for this lifestyle? Do you have some tips and tricks that you could share with us? Yeah. So I'm essentially a new mom. I have a toddler now and You know, in terms of getting the whole family on board, I think just starting as early as you can. When I was growing up, we ate what was considered very healthy, although I later realized I had issues with some of the foods, but my mother made homemade whole wheat bread. She made yogurt when I was growing up. We ate brown rice and tofu growing up. So there was no kids' food and parent food. We sat down and ate as a family. And so though those are not foods that I'm serving to my child, that's what I'm doing. You know, she was breastfed and then we switched to camel's milk and then her first food was an avocado. And, you know, we make dinner and she eats what we eat. And so I think that's first and foremost, because there will be a day where I will have absolutely no say over what she eats. But right now she knows no different. She doesn't know that sugar exists in the world. And I'm going to keep it that way as long as humanly possible, because there'll be a time where I just can't do that or that I'm no longer the person making those decisions. She'll be off at college and living her own life. And I just hope to set her up for lifelong wellness. Like like my parents intended to do for me. And then in terms of getting the whole family on board, I think, you know, because I do see more women than men and women are also tending to be the caregivers and the ones going to the store and making the food. I mean, I tell them particularly when they're the person with the health issue, it just really needs to be like, Hey everybody, you know, I'm doing this for my health. I'd really appreciate your support. And I'm only going to be able to make one meal. Most people don't even know the difference. The food is so delicious. I mean, the food in the cookbook is amazing. And so people just don't realize that they're not eating gluten or they're not eating dairy. I mean, when I first wrote the autoimmune solution, there weren't a lot of the options that we have now for ingredients. I mean, they were available, but they were not widely available. And so in the autoimmune solution, literally it's like leftover dinner for breakfast or breakfast sausage kind of over and over or sweet potato hash, you know? 
And now in the cookbook, I have waffles, I have pancakes, I have muffins. I mean, of course, I don't advocate that people are eating these things every day, but we have tiger nut flour, we have cassava flour, we have palm shortening. I mean, there are just so many and you can get it most anywhere. And so it just makes cooking easier and those comfort foods. I mean, this book has a lot of those comfort foods of pizza and there's dessert in there. I mean, these peanut butter cups in there, they're on the cover of the book. They're amazing. And so it's so much easier to make this affordable, attainable, delicious, and easy to get your whole family on board. Well, I'm so glad you shared that because so often what I hear from women, and clearly I, things are changing, that's always the biggest concern is women are afraid that they're not going to meet their family's needs or that they have to continue to keep a lot of the bad foods in the house for their family. And I think we can really begin to navigate and, and change that conversation. I don't know if we necessarily need to keep all that stuff in the house just because our family wants it. I really do feel like if we were educating people and mama's like, well, I'm buying this and this is what we're making. And it, it tastes very similar to what they're used to. We should be able to make that transition. Yes, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. The recipes, they do feel like, no, I wouldn't call it cheating, but it's not like you're just eating chicken salad you know, or you're eating fish and greens. There's definitely a lot of flavor and a lot of lot of great recipe ideas and concepts in this new book, which is so exciting. And it really just opens up the, the opportunity to making healthy food really fun. Yeah. I mean, we had quote unquote spaghetti and meatballs, kale and pesto sauce over zucchini noodles with meatballs that were so amazing, you know, chock full of spices and vegetables. And I mean, that was dinner last night and it was satisfying. The flavors were amazing. I mean, one of the other things that really tried to do in this cookbook wherever possible was to have the recipes be five or less ingredients and have the ingredients be things that were super easy to get at the store, available in most every grocery store, and still yet be different or unique flavors, which is, you know, can be hard to do, but that's really what we tried to do because I know that the woman, and I'm, you know, not always is it a woman buying this book, but most of the people that have autoimmunity are women, that when they're buying this book, they're likely like me. They're a mom, they have autoimmunity, they have a career, and they don't have a lot of time. And they want their food to be delicious, they want it to be healthy, and they don't want to be spending hours in the kitchen. And that's really who I designed this cookbook for, somebody who wants to live this as a way of life, wants to have the cupcakes that I made for my daughter's first birthday are in here. So there's even a recipe for cupcakes in here. So I mean, there's something for all occasions, you don't feel deprived, you're not spending hours at the grocery store, you're not spending hours in the kitchen. It's healthy, delicious food that's going to help you reverse autoimmunity and your family is not going to know the difference that they're missing out on something. Thank you. I love that. And the last piece that I really appreciated in this book is that you have some do-it-yourself, toxic-free home and beauty products. And I I can't tell you, I, I advocate so much for people making over their cleaning cabinet, making over their personal care, and making over their medicine cabinet. And so it was really exciting to see these recipes in there. It was so fun. And so many of the recipes that I've, I've come to be familiar with. And why is it that we should be focusing on 
making our own products or creating a more toxic free environment inside of our home. You talked about off-gassing. And so we know that they have an effect on our endocrine system, on our body as a whole. So there are four pillars to the Myers-Way program, and one of them is tame the toxins. And the first step in taming toxins is preventing them from coming in. In a place that most people are not looking quite yet, although people are beginning to become more aware of this, is beauty products and cleaning products. And that is one, they kind of figure if it's on the market, it's safe, right? Well, We know that this is an industry that is, for the most part, self-regulated when it comes to cleaning products and chemicals. The EPA asked that the company who's producing it prove that it's dangerous, not to prove that it's safe, but prove that it's dangerous. They only have to test one ingredient at a time. So if a product has five ingredients, they don't need to test all five ingredients together to see if maybe individually they're fine. But when they put them together, do they then become toxic? They get approved in three weeks or less in many cases. And again, they're proving that they're harmful. In terms of the body product industry, again, it's a self-regulated industry. They're not even going through the EPA. And their thought is that many of these, what are called endocrine disruptors and frankly, cancer-causing agents are so small doses that it really doesn't matter. But there have been a lot of studies that have been done that most people are using 14 products on average by the time they walk out the door. And that doesn't include, you know, reapplications or taking a shower and putting more on. And then if you're dealing with a child that has a much larger surface area because of their skin, because they're tiny, then they're getting much larger dosages. And so you can see how these things do build up over time. And maybe in its small dose, it's not toxic, but after 14 doses of it and then applied twice a day and every day it becomes more toxic. So these are self-regulated industries that nobody is really policing other than themselves. And we're leaving it up to them to put our health ahead of their profits. And in most cases, that is not happening. So it is really important to prevent these things from coming in. And it's an easy place. Again, the recipes that I have for you in the cookbook are less than five minutes to make. You're going to save money. The toothpaste that I have in there, I mean, your teeth will never feel smoother, look brighter. You'll save money. You'll have less toxins. And it's a fun project to do together with your kids. I mean, the reason I've dedicated this book to my parents. They're both deceased now, but my mother taught me how to bake and my father taught me how to cook. And that's because since a child, I was in the kitchen. So I think, you know, another way to get the family on board, particularly children, and to get them to eat healthy and to think about these things is to get them on board as early as possible and involve them and make it fun for them. And I absolutely agree. And I think that it's it's kind of our responsibility to leave that legacy for our kids. And like you said, dedicating that book to your parents, because they had taught you so much about healthy eating and about trying to leave that legacy for you. And then look at what it's done. You've been able to help hundreds of thousands of people with those messages that you probably learned early on in life and then began to to continue to adopt. Yes, absolutely. You know, when I realized what was the right diet for me to regain my health, you know, I was a vegetarian for 27 years, but I didn't have to go from Twinkies to including meat into my diet. I went from eating brown rice and 
some protein like tofu and lots of vegetables. So all I did was switch out my protein to a lean animal source and keep the vegetables and get rid of the rice, right? I didn't have to go Twinkies to or mac and cheese. How am I going to make that leap? So really wasn't a big leap that I needed to make in order to heal my body. And I love that because it is a much easier journey when you've already been doing the work. You just have to tweak it a little bit. Okay, so I have one more question for you, my dear. And um, this is a question I ask all of my amazing guests. And that is, what is one healthy habit or natural solution that really moves the needle for you on a day-to-day basis? So what's the one thing that you do daily that you cannot give up because it's so important? One thing that I'm incorporating in right now are smoothies. So particularly here in Austin, it's getting to be summer season and super hot. So we have a paleo protein powder on my website that is grain-free, legume-free, 100% grass-fed beef. We just released a new flavor, mocha latte, which is amazing. So I do that pretty much every single morning. And my daughter, who's a toddler, loves them too. So this morning I made one out of the cookbook. And in fact, there's an awesome Facebook Live where I was making a smoothie to promote the cookbook. And she walked into the kitchen, I picked her up and it was like, could not have like practiced it and it have been more perfect where she's just like watching and smiling. And then like I'm start blending and she hears the blender and she's like, you know, gets all excited when she hears the blender and then I pour it and she's like pointing at it. And then I like put a straw in it and she drinks it. So they are a fan favorite in the entire household is a protein rich smoothie with very low carbs. You, it's a great way to get vegetables in. It's a great way to get fruits in. If you want to put in some flaxseed and get some fiber in, it's you know just awesome. So that's probably my number one go-to. And I, of course, when I traveled for a month, uh, took lots of it with us. And we even bought a $30 blender when we were in New Zealand and we made smoothies most days when we were in Australia and New Zealand. So that's probably my true cannot live without travel, family, everything. And we have lots of recipes in the cookbook making those smoothies as well. I agree. That's probably my favorite habit. My husband left, like I said, on the flight today with our Nutribullet. We have a Nutribullet that we always travel with and we just pack everything up so that we can make, we, we're a big fan of green smoothies. So we, I mean, literally what it is, is we just put a ton of greens in and protein powder, all the good stuff. And it is, it's, it's the easiest way to travel. It can knock out breakfast or lunch. And so it's probably one of my big time daily habits as well. So I'm glad we're aligned on that. Yes. I brought my Nutribullet with me and then realized I didn't have a it was more than just a converter because of the wattage. So I ended oh. up carrying around a blender that I couldn't oh, yeah. use for a month and then <laughs> had to buy another one. And then I brought the other one back because I loved it so much. It's like a Nutribullet. It's a knockoff, but it was even smaller. So it was like super portable. So now I have a, this other blender that I don't know what I'm going to do with here, but it was like, I was so excited about it. I couldn't leave it there. <laughs> it's your international blender. That's what that one's going to It's be. my international blender. Exactly. It just means I'm going to have to go back exactly. again and then I won't have to buy a new blender. I love it. I love it. I need an international That would be my blender. New Zealand blender, my Australia, New Zealand blender. Love it. You get a blender for every country. That's so great. Yeah. All right, honey. Well, it is the autoimmune solution cookbook. We can get it on Amazon. I know that you've got a link. We're going to be sending people to the link directly in the show notes that send people there. And where else would you like people to find you? So if people are interested in some gut healing recipes, they can go to gutrecipes.com. And then my website and everything on social media is just amymyersmd.com. And it's M-Y-E-R-S. 
Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure. I love the book. We're already cooking recipes out of it. And I'm just so glad that I got to showcase that book today with everybody else. I know that there are so many women listening to this that are going to love it just as much as I do. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks everybody for being here today and committing to your health. Awesome. Thank you, honey. See you soon. Bye. I definitely took away some great nuggets about traveling while sticking to my health routines. How about you? As I mentioned in the interview with Dr. Amy, the recipes in this book are incredible and you are going to feel like you're cheating just a little bit. And that's what I love about this book is the recipes are easy to follow and they taste delicious so you don't feel like you're missing out. Now you can find the link to Dr. Amy Meyer's new book, The Autoimmune Solution Cookbook, in the show notes for this episode on my website, drmarisa.com slash episode 22. Now coming up next, I am bringing on one of my best friends and fellow wellness warrior, Robin Openshaw, also known as the Green Smoothie Girl. Robin is going to share her incredible expertise on why detoxification is better than dieting. You are not going to want to miss this episode. She has brought thousands of people through her detox program, and it is remarkable and effective. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and taking a moment to listen in on this episode today. I would love for you to share the love by quickly going over to the Essential You podcast on iTunes and rate and reviewing or sharing this episode on social media. That way we can get the word out and change the way that we think about healthcare. It was such a pleasure and I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, have an incredible day.